Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Well, happy Father's Day, and uh, we're so glad that you're here today. Hopefully, if uh, you haven't already, uh, we have a gift card for uh, every young man and older man, uh, 12 years old and up. And uh, you can get those as you leave if you haven't received yours already. If you're watching us online, don't forget to go ahead and text Captivate Dads to 940-00-94000. And that'll get to us and we'll send you a card in the mail. So we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, when we prepared this series, we didn't know at the beginning whether or not we'd even be uh, live and in person um, as we are today. And um, this particular week happened to fall on Father's Day. For those of you that know my story, my story involves not having a dad at home. And uh, for Mother's Day with my wife, similar situations arose in her family. And Mother's Day means a lot to her. And so um, for each of us, uh, these days are um, pretty special to us and, and they mean the most um, to us. And so we're very, very, frank, very thankful to be able to celebrate those with you today. And uh, as I love with my children, love all my children. One of the constant refrains that we, we talk about in our house is that we demonstrate love. Like love is not just an emotion, but we demonstrate it. And we demonstrate it in the way that we treat people, in the way that we carry ourselves. And as we talk about Father's Day, we happen to land today on Ephesians chapter 4. And Ephesians chapter 4 actually talks a lot about God's desire and God's will for us as his children to uh, love one another and to have a bond of unity in him. And so it's appropriate that uh, we didn't even know we'd be together. We didn't even know that we would land here, but the scriptures uh, brought us here on this day. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, not having it pre-planned, it's uh, amazing to get there and say, man, you're, God, you're, you're so good to us. And you remind us that our, our um, bank account, our heavenly bank account is not stacked up in a human father. Uh, who will fail us and who will often fall short of our expectations and goals, but rather our Heavenly Father who does neither. So if you would, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And as you do, I want you to remember, you could go to your Bible app, and I want you to remember that in Ephesians chapter, uh, uh, when we get to Ephesians 4, you've got to remember that it's built upon Paul's relationship with the church at Ephesus. And this church is in Asia. And as he ministered to this church in Asia, he uh, visited essentially. And while he was on his, his uh, visit, he found this group that was following the baptism of John. And he said, hey, do you know about the Holy Spirit? And they were like, no. And so he ministered to them and he decided to stay for up to about three years ministering to these people. And after about three years, he goes away from the church at Ephesus that had been established. And these letters that we're reading in Ephesians, what we're reading are letters back. So he had heard from his church, he had heard from these people, and he's trying to enforce or reinforce some teachings. And so when we come to Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about unity that is found in the body of Christ. And so here we go. Uh, it says this in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk. Everybody say walk. Walk. It's not talk. I don't want you to talk in a manner worthy of the calling. I want you to walk in it. Uh, talk is cheap. Anybody can do it. We can pretend to be a Christian all day long. But I want you to walk in it. We're worthy of the calling which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another. We're going to um, talk about that word bearing in a minute bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to the one hope that brings, belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us. As you look around this uh, patio area where we're filming today, as you look around the body of Christ, grace has been given to each one. Can you say each one? Each one. Grace is given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. It's saying he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who had ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, these are roles and people and callings and giftings that he gave to the church to do what? To equip the saints, those who are in Christ, for the work of the ministry, for building up the building up of the body of Christ until when? Until we all attain the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Son of God. I'm sorry, to the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everybody say grow up. We're to grow up in every way to him who's the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, all of us, joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part is what? Working properly. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. As you look at that passage in Ephesians 4, there's a call for unity and there's a call for, there's a purpose for unity and we see that and we'll break all that down. But there's a purpose for unity. There's a call for unity. But then you also see that there's a, a plan for how to go about doing that. Many times in Christianity, we can find ourselves believing that our Christian faith is really just between me and God. And even in culture, and when you come along cultural Christians, um, they'll even echo that, say, hey, leave me alone. That's between me and God. What, whatever stuff I got on, between me and God. Whatever sin I got going on, between me and God. What, whatever battle I'm facing right now, that's between me and God. And when we act like that, we act as though God did not give us one another to live and to, uh, to pursue unity so that we could be built up in love. We believe we've got a better plan. And we don't say that out loud. None of us are ever going to get in line and say, hey, you know what? I just want to talk to you. I think I got a better plan than God. Like we won't say that, but we'll live that with our actions. We'll live that by being isolated. We'll live that by being distant to others in our life who could be helping us along in our faith. And so I don't care if, if, Today's your first day ever in Christian church, or if you've been in Christian church a long time, you and I can understand that we can find ourselves saying with our actions, well, that's between me and God. And we, we disconnect ourselves from our brothers and our sisters. We don't share prayer requests like real ones. I don't mean like when we go to a small group and we're just kind of like, yeah, I had a rough week this week. Can you pray for my coworker? Ha ha ha. I want to strangle her. And, and like, and we're like, oh, it's really bad. You're having a rough week. 
It's like, I'll pray for you. And it's like, that's like, you know what I mean? That's like this surface area. Like I just had a rough week. But what, what is going on inside that makes me angry about my coworker? What is it about my coworker? What is it about, is, is my pride at play? And, and let's dive into that. Let's talk about that so that we can help you find healing in that. So we can help you find growth in that, strength in that. But if we just leave it at two, uh, well, that's between me and God. I'm working on something. Or, or my favorite, and don't be offended uh, if, well, you can. It don't matter. But I wouldn't want you to be offended by this, but the unspoken prayer request has been thoroughly abused in all of Christianity. Because again, it's this idea that like, hey, I know something's going on in here and I know that I need this thing to be dealt with, but I can't trust the body of Christ enough to know about it. Because I, 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 it's between me and God. And when we do that, church, I want you to see when we do that, look at Ephesians 4. This is not Ephesians 4. That, that way of living isolates us and the enemy does his best work when we're isolated. The enemy does his best work when he says, hey, you can't even trust the Christians. And so we've got to ask ourselves, like, okay, what's the, as we dive into Ephesians 4, what's the application here? Paul is calling them all and he's saying, you know what? You're unified. I'm going to tell you how you're unified. But I'm going to tell you, I know it's hard, but God gives you the grace to be able to do these things. But then on top of, so you don't lean into yourself, you lean into God's grace. But then at the end of the day, when all of us are leaning into God's grace individually, then we build up something corporately. We build up a body that is stronger, that is built in love. And so that's where we're going when we look at this passage. So take a look in, at the very beginning. It says, I therefore, a prisoner before the Lord, remember this was, this was his situation, urge you to walk, not talk. For yourself, if you jot in your notes or if you're on your Bible app, you can click on the actual verse and it'll open up a, a notes area. You can click the word notes and write notes to yourself about the text. But, but the scripture is that we are called to walk in a manner worthy. Not talk in a manner worthy, but walk in a manner worthy. That word uh, worthy is interesting because we know, those of us that have been around church for a while, at least a good Bible-believing one, we understand that there is no such thing as a worthy Christian. And so it's interesting that we're told to walk in a worthy manner. Well, but I'm not, I'm not worthy. Like in and of myself, I'm not better than you. I'm not better than anybody in this parking lot or who'll be here this afternoon. I'm not better. I'm not, I'm not worthy of this. Well, why am I told to walk worthy? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a difference in attitude. It's that we should value the gift of God's grace so much that we want to live up to the gift of God's grace. It's, it's not a matter of I'm walking worthy because man, look at me. It's a matter of I'm walking worthy, meaning this is such an incredible, wonderful gift that God's given me. I'm going to carry it with responsibility. It's kind of like you have a, a pair of, of sunglasses and um, they're, they're $5 throwaway. And so you begin to kind of live your life when you're younger and you just throw off your sunglasses and you don't care and they get scratched and beat up and you go, oh, that's okay, I'll get another pair. And then somebody somewhere along the line gives you a very nice pair of sunglasses and it comes with a case and it's protected and it's got a zipper and it's got a wipe on it. And you're like, what's a wipe? And, and, and so you look at this and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I should value this differently than I valued all my previous sunglasses. 
Because this here is a, a unique gift. It's extra. It's above. It's special. And so therefore, my, listen, my patterns of behavior are going to change. Not because of outside influence or because of anger or wrath, but because I want to live up to having something so nice being blessed upon me. And so that's what he's calling us to, is that walk in a manner worthy of this incredible gift. We, we, we're not walking in such a way so that we can be seen by anybody else. We're not walking in such a way so that we can pretend we're, we're pretentious. We're walking in such a way to say, God, you have given us an incredible, incredible gift, and therefore I'm going to walk in this manner. So look what it says. Calling to which you have been called. He's called us to himself. He's called us to be missionaries. He's called us to be ministers of the gospel. Whether or not you have a title, please listen to me. If you're at Captivate Church forever, we're going to be preaching and teaching all the time that you are a minister. You are a missionary. How are we to walk this way? Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. I want you to look at that that word there. So we're supposed to walk in humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love. When you look up that word in the original uh, language, and you look up at that word bearing, you see bearing with one another in love, it's an intentional carrying of a burden. It's, it's not like I'm just going to tolerate you. I'm just going to coexist with you in the same space. It's I'm going to actively willfully come alongside of you and lift up some of the weight so that each of us, as we're walking together, doing that for one another, there's value in the body because you're lifting up my weight when I'm down, I'm lifting up yours. We're bearing one another's burdens in love. Love is the motive there. The next verse, uh, next verse there starts off with eager. So what's our spirit in doing this as we bear together with one another in love? We're eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's not the peace that the world offers. Peace that the world offers says, hey, just get along with each other. Shut your mouth. Don't say stuff that you don't want to. That's, that's the peace that the world offers. The peace that God offers is to say, you know what? I've been given an incredible gift called God's grace. And I'm going to carry my burdens with my brothers and sisters around me. And together, we're going to march through this world sharing the, the love of God. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. You could do an entire sermon series on those two verses. It would You could probably unpack many months just on those two. But the whole point is it's saying, look, in all of this, there's unity. We're eager to, to have the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And after all, we're all a part of one. And it says, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. The question that we have to ask ourselves, are we walking in Christian unity? We are called to walk in Christian unity. Are we doing that? Are we doing the Father's wishes? Um, just as a, as a dad myself with my kids, one of the things that, that I challenge my children to love each other around the house or to be kind or to not say a, a tarse word Part of it is, is that I said, you know what? Like, you're, you're both my kids. You're my kids. I, I want you to love one another. The way you honor me is the way you honor each other. And in that way, that's what God wants out of us, is to look around the world today, look around the church, look around at, at people that are hurting and saying, you know what? I honor my dad. 
by the way that I love my fellow man. I honor my dad the way that I honor my fellow man. If I carry their burdens, care about what they're going through. Verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Two things here I want to point out. The grace that God gives you. So you might say, man, that sounds like a lot, Pastor. Yeah, I'm, I'm called to, to care about prayer requests and carry burdens and to look around and carry each other so that we walk together as a body. That sounds like a lot on my plate. But the Scripture says, but grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. We know in um, many other Scriptures that our, the grace given to us is only equal to the faith that we, we have. That's the only turnabout. So God's grace is immeasurable, as you know. God's grace is immeasurable. He's got, his grace is sufficient. His grace is plentiful. Now, how do, where, where do I have access to His grace? It's by faith. And so do I have faith that all of these hard things above, walking in humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain unity, and sometimes that's hard. Do I have faith that God's grace is sufficient for me in those moments? Do I have faith that God is stronger than I am in those moments? Our faith is, is an immeasurable grace to do these things in Christ. Our faith is not in ourselves. It's not in our best effort. It's not in human strength. God gives us grace to do in the Spirit what we cannot do in the flesh. God gives us grace to do in the Spirit what we can't do in the flesh. The reality is, I don't know about you guys, but humility, gentleness, patience, and carrying other people's burdens sounds like a lot of work. I, in the flesh, I don't wake up saying, that's what I really want to do today. You know, I, maybe you guys are better Christians than me. But I don't really roll out of bed and say, you know what I want to commit myself to today? I, I want to find out what, what Kaylin's going through. I don't want to carry all of her burdens for her. Like, we, we don't really do that. Like, what we do is we wake up and we're just like, what burdens am I carrying? Listen, God gives us grace to do in the Spirit what we can't do in the flesh. In the flesh, none of us want to, to live this way. And the reality is, you and I, we've got to be honest sometimes and ask ourselves, you know what? How am I living today? It, it, today, am I living in the flesh or the Spirit? Because in the flesh, one way I could tell is in the flesh, I really don't want to care about a lot of other people's burdens. I, I really don't want to work hard for unity. I really don't want to do all of these things. I mean, I, I don't even understand that person, let alone want to carry their burdens. They've got a burden. I don't even think it's a burden. Why, why do I care? And we got to look and say, but God gives me grace. God gives me grace in the Spirit of God to be able to do this and to walk alongside of other people in their time of need. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led the host of captives and he gave, gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. And he gave the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. Why? To equip the saints for work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, if you're jotting notes, you can jot this down. God supplies grace and God supplies guidance through the gifts he supplied to his church. God supplies grace to the individual. God supplies guidance. When we talk about the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds, these are different uh, responsibilities or officers of the church to equip the saints for the ministry. He supplies grace. God supplies guidance through his gifts 
that he supplies to the church. And so when, if you are called to be uh, an apostle is essentially a missionary, a, self, a starter. Um, and so apostles go in and they, they, they start new works. Um, the, the, early, the earliest followers of Jesus were apostles. They started off the work of the church. The prophets, these are the people that uh, take the word of God and they proclaim it. And so a prophet comes in and says, thus saith the Lord. The evangelists share the gospel Share the, the share, not only has the, the word of God been shared, but let's also share the gospel of God. The shepherds walk alongside of you, uh, nurturing you, caring for you, and then the teachers helping you understand what all of this means. And why does God give us all of these people in our lives? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So at the end of the day, we looked last week and even in Ephesians 2, over and over and over what you see in the church of Ephesus is this, this emphasis on the works that we're called to do. And I can't stress enough to you, church, if you are not um, serving the Lord in some way, in some capacity, it doesn't have to be and it shouldn't really be um, just in full-time ministry, but if, if you're not finding the avenue where God called you to serve in that avenue, God's put you in that job, God's put you around that friend group, God's put you in this neighborhood or this influence, and God is calling you to be a minister, a minister for him. And so when you're doing that, you're equipped. God's equipping you for the work that he's called you to. But here's what happens to the church. When the church sits back and says, well, there's professionally paid people that do that. I'm just a whatever. Um, I, I'm, I'm a nurse. I'm a teacher. I'm an accountant. And when we add this up, we just go, well, this is my church life. This is my work life. We're missing out on the gospel of Christ. The gospel is that my wife, who, who works at a law firm, she's working at a law firm, but she's also a minister to everybody there. She's also able, when somebody says, oh, you know, I'm going through a heartache or a divorce or a sickness, she doesn't sit there and go, well, I'm just here to push papers. I'm just here to do law. She looks and says, okay, Lord, you've equipped me to be able to give grace to this person, to be able to pray for this person, to be able to love on uniquely in a way that the secular world can't. And so I'm a minister in my role. And when we don't have that, we have to look and just say, what did he give? If we eliminate church, if we eliminate the, the work of the saints, if we eliminate that and we as members decide, eh, that's not for me. What is the point of the church? Like, what is the point? And the scripture's telling us in Ephesians 4, the whole point of all of this that we're doing is so that you'll be built up so that you'll be able to be a minister right where you are. And it's not a matter of your friends and neighbors and loved ones need to meet me as the pastor. It's a matter of we build you up, we encourage you, we pray for you, we send you out, we cheer you on. When we come back together and we meet in small groups or prayer groups, we're encouraging each other to go back and do the work again. And so we've got to reorient our lives to just say, what is the point of all of this? The, the Bible has a point to it. God has a point to it. Do we follow that? And really, that's the challenge that we have to accept is that, that God has given us people the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. He's given us people. He's given us a purpose. The purpose is outlined there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And he's also given us a plan. What's the plan when all this goes right? 
we attain unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we grow up into Christ, who's the head of the church. The body of Christ is built by the people of Christ who pursue the person of Christ while doing the purpose of Christ. A lot of alliterations there. But God is dumped into uh, the church, the people, the purpose, and the plan. What we have to do is say, am I in? When we talk about reopening, I love the fact that, that I told you guys last week, this upcoming Wednesday, um, we should uh, go ahead and, and sell uh, the Dundalk property. And as a pastor, I'm just like excited because I, 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 I've never really had the opportunity to just stop everything and just call a timeout and just say, let's do it again. Like, let's just let's just pause. Most of the time as, as a pastor, the only time you get to do that is if you leave a place. But we, we have a cool opportunity to just just pause, to be reminded. And because of COVID, Corona and all that, the whole world's pausing. So it doesn't hurt us to pause. And, and we're able to have a more um, a smaller part of our body meeting together regularly. And we're able to focus and we're able to think through this summer. And then we're able to move forward saying, you know what, God, you've given us the people. You've given us the purpose. We're going to enact your plan. As we build things back up, as we come back to life, as we open up our church, and as we think about our region, we're going to do it according to your plan. So that, so why is that important? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. Now listen, as you read this, Understand, this was Paul. He invested three years of his life into this church. And so he's writing and he's saying, hey, this is important, guys, because we need to no longer be children. Don't get offended. He's writing to the church that he started. He's writing to the people that he loves. And he says, don't be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about what are the kind of things that could come along and make you unstable in your faith, church? Every wind of doctrine, what do you believe about God, man, sin, any wave? Like, are we just going to be tossed around or do we, are we going to be anchored to something? By human cunning, it's not necessarily doctrine. It's just the things that people want to achieve. Are there people using you and manipulating your mind? Well, the only way you can know is that if you know the mind of God. And the only way you're going to do that is that if you invest in this purpose and plan and the people that God has put you around called the church. Tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, human cunning, and craftiness in deceitful schemes. There are people that want to pull you, your faith apart. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part is working properly. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Church, here's the call for us. The call for us is that I need you and you need each other. You need me. And together, as we're bearing each other's burdens, as we're blessed by God's grace and goodness, as we care about each other in love, we will individually then grow up into the head, which is Christ, not Tolly, not the elders, 
but grow up into Christ. And we will be able to demonstrate God's truth and love. So we as a church, we're a church that pursues truth and love under the lordship of Jesus. You've heard me talk about this before, but I really I emphasize it so much because I want you to live it. You we live in a world where it seems you pick either truth or you pick love. And what people mean by love is anything goes and anything I think is important. And, and that's what we should focus on. You, you're not loving me unless you agree with me on everything. But that's not what the scripture talks about. The scripture talks about is that God's our father and he's poured out his grace and he gives us a body and a people and a purpose and a plan. And to be a part of that is loving. And so for us, what we do is we teach truth and love. Here's the honesty of who God God is. And we're going to love you in the process. Some people preach truth and you look and you say, well, doctrinally, they're absolutely right on the text. But man, they're not very caring. They're not very compassionate. I think if, if Captivate has a bent, we probably lean towards love and we probably need to make sure that we're filling ourselves with more truth. And if I'm honest over the course of our church history, that would be an honest assessment was to say, you know what I love about our church? I love that we're a loving church. I love that that anybody who walks in, you're not going to feel intimidated. You're not going to feel beat up, put down, whatever. The challenge is you don't want to be so quote unquote loving that you never address truth. And so I don't believe as uh, uh, the elders or myself or our leaders necessarily are. I think they care about, um, I think we care about truth. We all have to remind ourselves though, is to say, let's be both. Let's be truth and love. Truth, what does God say? And I would describe love as how do I say it? Truth is what does God say? Love is how do I say it? I think we're saying uh, things well, and I think that because of that, that's a fantastic place to be. But let's add in more and more and more of God's will and God's uh, discernment to our discussions. We're not owed everything, but our Father gives us grace anyway. So when we come in contact with other people, let's give them the grace that God gives to us. Let's demonstrate truth and love with grace. Let's remember that God has given us a people, each other, a purpose to equip the saints for the work we're called to do, and a plan so that we might have unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that your church does matter and that each one of us doing, uh, doing our part properly we build up the kingdom of God. We build up the body of Christ. And as I think about this uh, smaller version of our church through this COVID season and summertime, and um, we have an opportunity, Lord, to just focus in on you. And you've called us to build one another up. You've called us to bear one another's burdens. You've called us to lean upon your grace. You've called us to demonstrate both truth and love. And so, Father, I just pray that as we move forward in the summer Uh, months go by and we we slip into the fall, I pray, Father, that what forms in our hearts, not a program of the church, not a particular Bible study, but what forms in our hearts is a desire for each one of us with the sound of my voice or watching online, but each one of us would say, you know what? The Lord has given the church for a reason. That reason is to build me up to do the work of the ministry 
to reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God so that I can share that knowledge, share that unity with the whole world in truth and love. I pray, Father, that we would be that type of church. That, Lord, that when if you were to write a book about Captivate, Lord, that you would write that it was well done, good and faithful servants. That you would write that we didn't neglect the gift, the calling, the expectations that you've placed on us. And, Lord, that you would uh, call us, you would write about us, that we were people who shared truth with love to the world. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for reminding us of, of your calling. And on this Father's Day, I pray, God, that each one of us, each one of us would be able to love others the way that you love us. We're not owed anything, but we have a new calling. So may we walk, not just talk, may we walk according to um, one who is worthy of the gift that you've given. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the gift of salvation. We pray, God, that we would uh, grow up as a church to continue to represent you well in the Baltimore area. It's in Christ's name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen.